Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're looking at uh, the first few chapters of Romans. And we're looking at a series entitled, Who Needs Jesus? And in the first few chapters, actually up to chapter 3, verse 20, from chapter 1 through there, the Apostle Paul outlines for us a position of why everyone in the world needs Jesus Christ. And so he divides the world up into basically three main groups, actually four groups. He divides the world up into three groups and he spends his time through Romans talking about why each group needs Jesus. And so last week we looked at the my way or the highway crowd. That's the group of people in our world that basically don't want to have anything to do with God. They don't want God in their life in any way. They just want to do what they want to do. And he says, this is the reason why they need Jesus. This is the reason why they are condemned. This is the reason why they are going to hell. And they need Christ. We get into the second group today, and it's the prim and proper crowd. Because maybe you were here last week and you said, well, you know, that my way or the highway group, yeah, I can see why they're condemned. I can see why they're going to hell. But that's not me. Thankfully, that's not me because I'm not doing what they're doing. In fact, the picture you have is, remember Jesus shared the story in the Gospels of two men who went up to the temple, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee beat his hand against his chest and said, I thank you, God, that I tithe so many times a week and I give of this and I'm involved in all of this and I thank you that I'm not like that guy behind me, the tax collector. And the tax collector, he couldn't even lift his head up His head bowed, he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think was justified? What we're going to talk about is that first guy today, the prim and proper crowd. We're going to talk about why that type of attitude, that moralist attitude that I'm doing all the right things, therefore I don't need Jesus, why that person is condemned. So I want you to notice with me verses 1 through 16 of Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourselves. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. Or do you not think this, O man, You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impertinent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who, by patient continuance, in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish, on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first 
and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. For as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are the law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So today we're going to look at the prim and proper crowd. Paul's going to address to us this whole issue of why the prim and proper are not justified. Why they're condemned. So I want you to notice, first of all, the condemnation. First of all, maybe maybe you know somebody like this. Maybe you know somebody who has that hoity-toity attitude that they're above everyone else. And maybe they're a church-going person. And so they kind of look down their nose at everybody else in the community. Well, I go to church. And so they sit there and they justify themselves and hold others in contempt. Paul's going to tell us now why that kind of person is condemned. Why that kind of person is condemned. So first of all, I want you to notice a couple things. Verse 1 to 4, he tells us the condemnation. First of all, the moral person is without excuse. The moral person is without excuse. I want you to notice what Paul's saying here. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. You're without excuse. Apostle Paul is saying that your righteousness that you are boasting in is not better than anyone else. You think you're okay because you do the right things, but reality is you're not. And so you're without excuse. So the moral person is without excuse. Why? He tells us here in these first three verses. We are going to be judged by our own moral standards. We are judged by our own moral standards. We're judged by our own moral standards. Here's what Paul says. Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourselves. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you not think this, O man, that such that you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Here's what he's saying. I want you to think for a moment. Imagine that I have a a measuring stick up here, a large measuring stick or a, a tape measure or a ruler. And if I go around and I measure everyone here by this ruler and I go up to Brad and I say, hmm, don't quite measure up, Brad. Or if I go over here and I say, hmm, Mike, you don't quite measure up. And I go around and I judge people based on this standard of this ruler. And so as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing okay. Because the rest of you just aren't measuring up. Just aren't measuring up. The Apostle Paul here says that that, that I am condemned. That I am judged 
Because the reality is, is that the standard by which I judge everyone else, that measuring stick that I judge Brad by, or that I judge Mike by, or I judge all of you by, he says, I can't even measure up to it myself. I can't even measure up to it myself because the reality is that the thing that I judge you about, the chances are that I'm practicing too. How many of you have heard the statement, the pot calling the kettle black? That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, you're being judged, you moral person, you morally upright person who think you're okay because you don't do anything wrong. You're condemned before Jesus because you're calling the pot black and you're a kettle. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. You know, I want you to think back. I talked a little bit about this last week. I mentioned the prodigal son to you last week about how he just went off and did. He didn't want God in his life, and he just went off and did his own thing. Now, there's an interesting story. This is a great story, illustration for us to understand, is that with the prodigal, the story of the prodigal, there is another brother. Do you remember the older brother? And the other, the older brother, was he happy that the dad brought the younger brother back into the home? No, he was pretty upset. In fact, he said something like this, Dad... I've been with you for years. I've done everything you've ever asked me to do. I've never even asked you to, quote, pay for a party that I could have with my friends. But yet you would bring this guy back who's been running around with women into our home. Now, the interesting thing is this. He made an interesting accusation. He accused his younger brother of running around with prostitutes. Chuck Swindoll points out that when you read that passage, nowhere does it ever say that he ran around with prostitutes. What Chuck points out is, is that the older brother's mind was thinking about this. See, that's what Paul said. The very thing that we judge others by, the very thing that we look at our nose down on others about, we are judged by those same standards because we practice those same things. You know, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary. Those of you who are younger than 20 will have no clue what I'm talking about, but those of you who are old enough will remember 20 years ago is when Jimmy Swagger was exposed in fact. On the 10th anniversary, Christianity Today had an article where they talked about Jimmy Swagger 10 years later. And I won't go into the point of the article because it was basically an article about visiting Jimmy ten years later in his ministry and so forth. But at the close of the article, the author made an excellent point, which is what I think Paul is talking about here. He says this, Why do we hate Jimmy Swaggered so much? Here's what he said. Because Jimmy Swaggered reveals the darkness in all of our hearts. It's easier for me to judge Jimmy for what he did. It's easy for me to hold him in contempt because of the stuff that he's done in his life. When the reality is, is that my heart is just as wicked. is just as corrupt. If given the right circumstances and the right situation, would maybe do the same thing. And so Paul says that we are judged the condemnation to this moralist is that we are judged by our own standards. So let me ask you something. Are you measuring somebody here? Are you looking at someone's life and you've got your yardstick or tape measure out and you're saying, mm, 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 you just don't quite measure up. 
Be careful. Be careful. You're going to be measured by the same standard that you're using. Isn't that a scary thing? Isn't that a scary thing when you think about it? When you start measuring other people, you're going to be measured by the same standard. That's what he's saying here. We're going to be judged by our moral standards. Why? Because reality is, verse 4, he tells us, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Why? We despise the patience and tolerance of God. We despise the patience and tolerance of God. When I sit there, and I'm using this measuring stick, and I'm judging Brad, and I'm saying, Oh, Brad, you're just not quite measuring up. You deserve judgment, Brad. You deserve... What you got coming, buddy? Paul says that I'm despising the patience and tolerance of God that God has towards Brad. Because God doesn't deal with Brad immediately, like I think maybe God should do. Isn't that how we are sometimes, Lord? Like, why don't you deal with that person? Lord, why don't you just take them out? Paul says that when I have that kind of moralist attitude that I'm judging other people, like they just need to be taken out, He says, I'm despising God's patience with that person. I'm despising God's tolerance with that person. I'm despising God's grace because he's giving that person another opportunity as the day goes by to what? Turn his heart towards God. And so what am I doing? I'm despising God when I have that kind of attitude. When I sit there and say, that person needs to be dealt with, God, you need to do something about that person, I'm really what? despising God and His patience. Let's be honest. If I were to use my own measuring stick to judge me, do you think I could stand? No. If I were to say, God, deal with Brad, shouldn't I be asking God to deal with me also? Oh no, but I don't want that to happen. Do we? I don't want that to happen. I just want you to take care of Brad, God. Forget about me. That's what's going on here. And see, Paul says that they are condemned. And you've got a person who acts like that. They're the farthest from God. Because they're despising God. So I want you to notice now with me verse 5 through 11. He's going to talk about God's judgment. So he's given them the condemnation. He said to them, guys, if you're going to judge other people, you're condemned. You have no excuse. Because the very same measuring stick that you measure others by, the very same standard, will be used against you because you despise the patience of God. So here, notice how he then illustrates the judgment of God. Verse 5, he says this, But in accordance with your, the hardness and your impertinent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Here's what he's saying. Self-righteousness invites the judgment of God. Self-righteousness invites the judgment of God. You want to have a hoity-toity attitude? You want to look down your nose at other people? You know, maybe somebody comes into our church and maybe they're not, maybe you know a little bit about them, maybe they have a reputation in the community and everybody knows and everybody says, oh oh my goodness, they're so-and-so. What are they doing here? If you're going to have that kind of an attitude, here's what the Apostle says. That the hardness of your heart, the impertinence of your heart, to have that kind of an attitude is to invite the judgment of God in your life. 
you might as well hold up a sign saying, God, take me to the woodshed. When you have that kind of an attitude, it's like saying to him, God, take me to the woodshed. I want to experience your discipline. Do we? But when we look down at other people, and think about this, what, what, what are some of the stuff that we look down at other people about? We look down at other people. We used to do this in our churches. We used to look down at other people because their hair, or they had a beard, or the way they dressed, or if they didn't do the right thing, or if they went, just even walking near some place in town would get you in trouble. Isn't that true? And so we will judge other people. Oh, he's just a German squarehead. Isn't that true? Yes? I can say that because I am German and my head is square. But that's true, isn't it? That kind of self-righteous attitude, can I be honest with you, invites God's judgment in your life. You are saying in a mighty way, God, I don't care about you, what you say, but you're asking God to discipline you because you would look down your nose at other people. Can I be honest with you? If they're a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to get used to them because you're going to spend eternity with them. And maybe God's got a sense of humor. He'll let you share a mansion with them. You see the point? So when you have that kind of attitude, God's judgment is, is that self-righteousness invites the judgment of God. So then verse 6 through 10, he makes a clear point here that each man will be judged individually by God. Each man will be judged individually by God. Look with me. What does he say here? Verse, verse 6. Who will, will render to each one according to his deeds? Listen, your judgment is going to be an individual judgment. And so each of you are going to receive a reward based upon that. Those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, eternal life. Those who have not, who despise God, wrath, judgment. And that's the point he's making here. But the point I want you to see here is that God is the one who judges. God will be the one who calls everyone into account for their actions and their deeds. God is the one who truly measures a person. Because the standard he uses is his standard. And for you and I to hold each other in contempt because that person doesn't measure up to my standard, you better be careful because you don't measure up to your standard either. You don't measure up to your standard either. Paul's talking about that here. And he's going to point out that, guys, you've got to remember something. Self-righteousness invites the judgment of God. And every one of you is going to be judged individually by him. Every one of you is going to be judged individually by him. Every one of you. You've got to give an account to God for your life. You've got to give an account for your And it's not going to work to say, well, hey, I was better than Brad. Were you? Were you? So then he goes on and he says this. Listen, do you understand verse 11? And this is the thing about God. Notice what it says. For there is no partiality with God. What? God shows no partiality in his judgment. God shows no partiality in his judgment. With God, it's not going to be, well, I like George better than Brad. So I'll be a little bit more lenient with George than Brad. God doesn't do that. We do that kind of stuff, don't we? We even do that with our children. It depends on how our children have been that day. If they have really irritated you, you might drop the hammer. But maybe you got a special liking to one of them, and so you don't drop the hammer as, no, as much 
saying that's that's humanity, isn't it? But God's not like that. When God judges us, He's impartial. He judges everybody the same. How many of you have heard the statement that the ground at the foot of the cross is level? That all can come there. You know what I realize? The ground at the judgment seat of God is level. There is no position above one another. We're all going to be on the same plane being judged by God. That's reality. And God shows no impartiality in His judgment. So just because you may measure people with a standard, He's going to measure you with that same standard. He's going to measure you with that same standard. So there's no partiality in judgment. So I want you to notice the nature of His judgment then. Here's what we will see about God's judgment. Verse 12 through 16. Notice what it says. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And for as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. What's he saying here? All are accountable to God. Everybody's accountable to God. Well, you might say, well, you know, I didn't go to church. I don't know all that church stuff. I don't know what God wanted. I don't have... No, Paul says that's not the way it works. Those who are without the law, those who are without an understanding of what God's will is, they're going to be judged based upon what they do. Because God has placed within us a conscience to tell us what is right and what is wrong. For instance, everybody recognizes that the world is not a Christian world. Does everybody understand that? But if you were to go to any culture, any, any country in this world, we all have universal standards of what is right and what is wrong. Even some of the Stone Age tribes. And so even if you don't have not been raised in a church and don't know what the Bible says and everything, God says you're still accountable because you have what in your heart? Your conscience. An understanding of right and wrong. But even those who have the Word of God, the law, they'll be judged according to the law. And so what he's saying here, the nature of God's judgment is, is that all of humanity, all of the world, will be judged. All of the world will be judged. All are accountable to Him. The next thing I want you to see is, in verse 16, it says this, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my Gospel. Here's the other thing about the, the judgment of God that I want you to see, and that's this. All will be revealed in the judgment day. Remember I told you about the older brother to the prodigal? And his accusation about the prodigal that he said to his dad that he has gone off and spent his money on whores, on prostitutes. And the reality is the passage never said that. And I told you that Chuck Swindoll said that that probably revealed something in what? The heart of the older brother. Here's what Paul's telling us. That in that day, because here's the thing, you may be sitting in judgment of others, but there's pure wickedness going on in your heart and your mind. And nobody else knows it. As far as anybody else is concerned, you're okay. You're walking around here and everybody thinks, boy, I'd like to be like them. They're just an upstanding citizen of Clearfield County. Wonderful guy or gal. I want my kids to just be like them. Boy, I wish I was like them. Paul says that in the day of God, the secrets will be revealed. Now, how many of you would like that to happen? I don't see any hands. 
But that's what's going to happen. See, that's the nature of God's judgment. Am I going to sit there and hold somebody else in contempt? Am I going to sit there and judge someone else and look down at them when in reality is, is there stuff in my life? There's little closets in my heart that harbor some secrets that I don't want anybody to know? Hey, aren't you glad we can't read each other's minds? But the reality is one day it will be exposed. That's the nature of God's judgment. And so Paul says that this prim and proper crowd, because they're not like the my way or the highway group, this prim and proper crowd, they're judged because they're going to be judged by the standard that they use to judge other people. Let me give you three thoughts as we conclude our time. You've got to ask yourself this. Do you hold others in contempt? Do you? Do you look down your nose at others? Well, I'm... They're getting what they deserve. Have you made that kind of a statement? Are you holding others in contempt? You've got to be careful. Now, just ask yourself that question because immediately... And if you need help, you can just say, Holy Spirit... Am I holding someone in contempt? And, they will, and I guarantee you, the whole, immediately the Holy Spirit will bring that person to your mind. And just watch how you react to the thought of that person. Watch how you react to the thought of that person that you're holding in contempt. Then you've got your answer. Then you've got your answer of whether or not you're holding someone in contempt. Because that's the issue here. Are you, are you placing yourself above someone else? Are you placing yourself up here and they're down here and, you know, it's very terrible that they do those things. God, why don't you just deal with them? And you're up here. Oh, I'm okay here. Are you judging others? Are you judging others? Then that brings up my next point. Recognize that you will be judged by your standards. Recognize that you will be judged by your standards. Recognize that. You've got your measuring stick. You've got your tape measure. You've got your moral standard that you're using to judge other people by. And recognize you'll be judged by it. It's so easy to do. You are sitting there holding someone in contempt and you are, maybe it's because of something that was ingrained in you by your parents, maybe it was some other kind of thing, maybe it's just your hoity-toitiness because you're prim and proper. And you are judging other people and Paul says, look, you've got to recognize if you are holding someone else in contempt, the very standard by which you are holding them in contempt by, you're going to be judged by. And let's be honest. We don't live up to our own standards, do we? Can we be honest about that? We don't live up to our own standards. We don't live up to them, but we've got to recognize that if I'm using those standards to judge other people by, I'm going to be judged by them. I'm going to be judged by them. So finally, here's what he says. Recognize your need for Jesus. Who needs Jesus? You do. I do. If I'm looking down at someone else, I need Jesus. 
I need Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.